I get that a lot. Like, oh, I don't even smoke, but this is really, it's a really nice bong. Like, I've never thought of a bong that way, right? Yeah. yeah. Which is weird to me because it's so obvious. Like, why hasn't this bong existed before? It's so obvious to me. Over a century ago, California passed the Poison and Pharmacy Act of 1907. This banned the sale of opium, cocaine, or morphine without a prescription. In 1913, cannabis was added to this list making California the first American state to outlaw marijuana. Almost 60 years later, in 1972, the Golden State attempted to decriminalize possession and sale of the drug. The attempt was shut down, with 66.5% voting against it. From this moment on, laws against the possession of cannabis slowly began to loosen, with marijuana being legalized for medicinal purposes in 1996. On the 1st of January 2018, marijuana was legalized in the state of California, the first American state to do so. This change in legislation has of course opened a promising market for cannabis-based businesses, but at the same time, roused debate around the drastic change in attitude towards those involved in a previously illegal, demonized industry. My name is Liam Kazmar. I live in San Francisco, California, and I run a brand called Summerland. Summerland is a brand focused on stylish, minimalist stonerware. The self-dubbed Lost Hideaway for sunseekers, wave worshippers and coastal daydreamers where the nipple is eternally, irrevocably freed. Liam sat down with Macon's Alex Mayland to discuss the birth of Summerland, how he envisions its growth parallel to the changing perceptions of cannabis and his hopes and fears with regards to the coming years of legal marijuana in America. We started with the question, why did he leave Syracuse, New York? Honestly, I didn't really know where else to go in America. I, I tried to move to Montreal, but at the border, they were like, why are you coming to Canada? And I was like, oh, I'm trying to move to Montreal. I want to go look at some apartments. Right. They're like, uh, you can't just move to Canada. Sorry, don't come here. So next stop there was San Francisco. I was really into like fecalface.com back in that time. That was when that website was really raging. What is that? It's not really active anymore. It was a art website for like lowbrow graffiti based art, street art, that kind of you know, like juxtapose style art. That was based in San Francisco and they would post a lot of the gallery shows at the time when it was really thriving. What was kind of your background, I guess, leading up to what you're doing now? I mean, you're, you're a designer, art director, I guess, first and foremost. Yeah, I went to school for painting, but right out of school, I moved to San Francisco and tried to be a designer just because it seemed like the most money for a young creative at the time. And my painting style was very design based. Also, there's a lot of screen printing and very clean style stuff. And it just kind of lent itself to design. In school, I worked at a sign shop that kind of taught me the ropes for design and yeah just went straight into design out of school when I got to San Francisco and then I was freelance designing there for a good five or six years just doing random kind of logo work branding and then I started a clothing brand called Teenagers in Love it was just screen printed tank tops and sweatshirts 
And I started to try to do cut and sew stuff, but didn't really have a whole lot of money at the time. So it was tough to do, but I was working in a studio with a seamstress and the seamstress was also a ceramicist. She was in school for ceramics. And during that time, I kind of started to think about designing smoking stuff. Randomly, I just started like, oh, it'd be really cool to design like a really minimal bong. And so we uh, started to work on the Apple Pipe as the first product. This was in 2011. That was what kind of launched Summerland, the brand. And at the time, you didn't have a name yet, or you did? I did. So Teenagers in Love, the clothing brand, I actually hate that. Okay. <laughs> and I uh, <laughs> wanted to change it to Summerland. Okay. And then kind of when we made the apple pipe, which is now the fruit fantasy, I just dubbed that immediately Summerland Ceramics. Where did the name come from originally? So Summerland to me was the thought of kind of a place where you can go that there's this idea of eternal summer. Just north of here, there's Summerland, California. And I used to drive by there on the way to LA and I would just kind of have this image in my mind of this utopian place called Summerland where everything's nice and easy. And with the smoking stuff, that was kind of the idea of when you get high with these things, you get transported to this Summerland. So you kind of, you had the clothing brand, at least you were sort of like into fashion first. And then that parlayed, I guess, really like a similar aesthetic in some way to ceramics, right? You started with the apple pipe initially. And then at what point did it really become like a brand? Because one thing that I really personally respect about what you guys do is just the whole aesthetic of everything that you're doing. It feels more refined. It feels mature, not in like an old timey way, but like in a good way. You know, it's like it speaks to sort of like the more evolved smoker, I guess you could say. Um, How did that kind of all develop? The aesthetic of it kind of developed from this is what I was looking for. This is the bong that I wanted to have. And um, I couldn't find it, so I made it, yeah. But then did you have any background in ceramics or industrial design? Yes, I did. When I was in school, I actually started in college as an industrial designer. So I went to industrial design school for one year and dropped out because it was too restrictive. You know, in all my drawings, I was designing all this super minimal stuff. And this was in like the mid 2000s when they wanted everything to be really ergonomic and they would like diss all my drawings because they were too minimal and they weren't like crazy enough. Yeah. And I just got really bummed on that and then realized I didn't want to be in school for industrial design. I wanted to just do art and the art programs. You could take a lot more flexible curriculum. I was able to take design, printmaking, sculpture classes. The sculpture classes taught me so much more about design than industrial design school ever did in terms of like prototyping, mold making. Yeah, yeah. It was just way more hands-on, way more all-encompassing. So I feel like at the end of my college experience, I came out with a lot. I was way more multifaceted creatively than I would have been in just design school. Do you think that ceramics is what defines Summerland or do you see a future of you guys guys doing other stuff? No, I see a future of us branching out. You know, the name Summerland, we often get referred to as Summerland Ceramics, but I always try to cut it short to just Summerland. On Instagram, it's Summerland Ceramics. I can't get at Summerland. (laughs) Who has at Summerland? It's an account with like six followers. Do you have like the IP or anything to Summerland? Like your intellectual property or trademark no, or anything? it's Welcome to Summerland LLC. You might still be able to apply to Instagram to get your thing. 
Yeah, I have a friend that's like an art director at Instagram, and I keep like hitting him up, like, "Hey, let me get it, let me get it." Yeah, yeah, yeah. Being a hub of advancing technology, innovation, and venture capital means that being stationed in Silicon Valley often implies something about a company, almost a statement of intent. Liam, however, does not comply with this trend. Although the attitude that holds growth above all else of the area does push Liam to think about his future with Summerland, he understands the undesirable byproducts of investment. I'm curious, like you being in SF now, does the culture of like being in San Francisco or Silicon Valley at all play into how either you design or how you see Summerland as a company maybe? It does and it doesn't. I mean, it does in the sense that like I think about where the brand could go with the kind of investment and venture capital and all the money being thrown around there. Like I think about, oh, should I take advantage of this? Should I like gear it as a startup more than just a brand to try to grow? it faster but is that really what you want it's not what i want yeah i don't want investment i don't want to answer to some fucking suits you know not to digress too much but like we've kind of gone through a similar i guess like introspective period because like with making you know it's sort of like media and it's like it's friendly to something like what someone might invest in in the media space but like the whole reason we started it was this sounds corny, but like was really for the culture, you know, was right. to like do things the way we wanted to do it, to have exactly. our point of view on culture and to do it that way. I imagine the same is probably yeah, true. Nice. Yeah. I mean, I started Summerland. I went full force after working in advertising for four years and just being so burnt out on having a full-time job and like bosses and coworkers. And I started it as a reason to not have a boss. If I were to turn into a startup and bring on venture capital, I'd have a fuck ton of bosses. Yeah. That's kind of going through my head a lot lately with the growth of the marijuana industry and being in San Francisco with all this venture capital. What did you do in the advertising world? I was an art director. Okay. Did you work, you worked at like the agency level or Mm -hmm. ad agency? Yep. And that was out of, I guess just, it was a career path of being a creative and artist. Yeah. It just ended up with, you know, I was a designer, was a graphic designer just bouncing around San Francisco doing freelance graphic design. I kind of slowly realized I didn't want to do graphic design. Maybe I wanted to do broadcast style stuff like motion video. So I started to kind of look into ad agencies to try to get into that field. And that didn't last that long? No, I mean, I still do freelance. Uh, I became a commercial director. Oh, nice. Through that step. So that's kind of, I do the bongs and then I also do commercial direction and I do some kind of short film kind of stuff too. Like what's an example of like some stuff you're working on on the commercial direction Um, front? So I shot a short film last year that was all personal work. It's like a stoner comedy series. And then commercially I have a few small gigs. Um, At the agency level I was doing stuff for like the North Face, Pepsi, Method Home. And then since I've kind of left the agency, I've done smaller project-based stuff. I can see kind of that experience then playing into Summerland being just really well packaged. Yeah, so yeah, working as an art director at an ad agency really taught me a lot about brands and how to run a brand creatively because that's what I was doing, you know, I was just a hired hand to make these brands look better. So I definitely translated that into Summerland. So Summerland right now is it's just you, more or less? It's just me, more or less. It's me, and then um, I do production with two different factories. I have 
a sales rep and then just hired friends to help out occasionally. Yeah, how are you like getting the word out there sales and distribution wise? Is it just relationship based? Or? Yeah, it's relationship based. My sales rep runs four other brands and he's really good at kind of getting me in shops. What's the main distribution channels for you guys? Is it Mr. Green type shops or is it all of the above? It's all over the place. It's like Mr. Green type shops, women's clothing boutiques, dispensaries, shoe stores. We're not in any like shopping plaza head shops or anything like that. Intentionally not or? Yeah, at this point, intentionally not. But yeah, it's like half the dispensary level and then half like clothing boutiques, which is really interesting because, you know, you don't go into a clothing boutique expecting to see a bong on the shelf. But I also feel like the people going into clothing boutiques are the people who want this product. So it's been interesting to come into the space through that audience. Almost through like a lifestyle avenue, right? Yeah, exactly. Liam's history of design distinguishes Summerland as a design-centric cannabis brand, using design as a starting point instead of cannabis. This has opened up a new side of the market for Summerland. The possibility of being sold next to homeware in boutiques has positioned the company well for growth outside of the world of weed. This doesn't remove Summerland from criticism though. Although the public image of weed smoking is changing rapidly and is one of the main aims of Liam at Summerland, he understands that not everyone will be on board from the beginning. I want to talk a bit about that because I, I think that Summerland sits at the intersection of prototypical like stoner smoking mm-hmm. culture and just a broader lifestyle of a person who smokes mm-hmm. and who is like creative and is whose life is kind of driven by like design, I mm-hmm. guess you could say. Is that something intentional for you guys? Yeah. Definitely. It's a higher level smug accessory, but I also very intentionally do not deny the stoner culture. I, I embrace that more than deny it. I think it's it's cool because you guys have the DNA, but also if you don't come from that world or if you aren't necessarily cut from that cloth, and let's just say you only have dabbled in like weed in uh, you know med or rec legal space, it's also accessible to you. You know, it's a tool that could be accessible to you as well. Like I said, it sits on my shelf, and people who don't even smoke that come over are like, "That's cool." You know, <laughs> I get that a lot. Like, oh, I don't even smoke, but this is really it's a really nice bong. Like I've never thought of a bong that way, right? Yeah, yeah. which is weird to me because it's so obvious. Like, why hasn't this bong existed before? It's so obvious to me. What are some like positive things people say about it? And then also what is some just like shit that you might get for what you're doing? Or the, the negative as well. <laughs> the most negative thing I heard was one girl was like, does the world really need that? To your face? Yeah, to my face. It was like a friend of mine's girlfriend. Like first time I met her, she's like, oh, this is Liam. He makes these bongs. She's like, does the world really need that? Was it in like a curious way or like a condescending I way? I don't know. <laughs> That's like the go-to question that people like ask. Like if they can't come up with something negative to say about something, but they want to, like, does the world need that? Yeah, I don't know. So that's probably the most negative thing I've heard. The most positive thing, just people saying like, that's the most beautiful bong I've ever seen. Yeah. Pretty cool to hear that. So you've been at this, what, seven years, technically? Technically seven years. So yeah, we made the Fruit Fantasy version one. Currently it's in second round redesign from the first version. But that was in 2011, but I didn't really start the brand until 2015. Meaning like just getting serious about it being a thing. Yeah, I mean, basically in 2011, I went totally broke and ended the clothing line, stopped all production on Summerland 
moved out of my studio, got an ad job, worked 70 hour weeks, and then just like got super burnt out the whole time thinking about Summerland and how I can really do it right. And then four years later, quit. And the first thing I did was Summerland. Were you working on it like on the side or moonlighting at all? I wanted to be, but I wasn't. I was just too busy. And did you quit specifically because you were like, all right, it's time to fucking do this? Or did you quit because you were just over it and then that was just the natural? I quit because I was over it. And then it was just the natural progression. Like, oh, fuck, I need to make money now. Oh, I still have money from this ad job. I should invest it in a business so that I don't have to go and find work really quick. So you've been smoking weed for a long time before? Not really. You know, I started, I was straight edge growing up. I was one of those kids who's straight edge at least 21. And then I started smoking when I was 21, but not regularly. I didn't really regularly smoke until I was maybe 24, 25, 32 now. Yeah, you know, growing up, it was like weed was really scary. It had this like really scary image, like the graphics bongs with the evil gesture and like all the weird goth kids and stuff. Like that looked fucking scary. I wasn't into it. It scared me. Yeah, I I was pretty straight edge growing up. The first time I smoked weed was like three years ago, actually. So not even, but I grew up super straight edge. I grew up in Georgia. So it was like the Bible belt. It was straight up narcotic. You know what I mean? It was like very demonized. I mean, what do you think about it? Now, did it take you personally a while to sort of like mentally come out of that mindset? Not really. I think like, no, I don't think it, it's, <laughs> I think it took one hit to come out of that mindset. <laughs> Thinking about it now, though, looking back on it, I'm really glad that I didn't smoke weed when I was young because I don't think teens should be smoking. It's, yeah. I think it really does fuck up your brain when it's developing. And I feel way sharper than I probably would be if I was smoking when I was a teen. Yeah. Do you see what you're doing with Summerland as like a bridge of sort of removing that stigma or is that not really a intention? Yeah, it is. This product is really like helping normalize smoking weed and helping it look a lot more friendly in a sense. This is a bong that you can leave on your table while your friends come over and you're not like, I got to hide this bong. This is embarrassing. You know, it's, it's not embarrassing through this product. And it's also like people will buy this bong instead of not buying a bong. And people might experience smoking out of a bong now because there's so much gross, ugly glass that doesn't appeal to this specific type of person. And it's not even saying like this is a high class kind of person. This is just a a normal person. Liam has an unmistakable can-do attitude that values independence, but... Running a company by himself can take a toll on creativity. Striking a balance between making sure that the business runs smoothly and also nurturing the creativity that drew him to starting the business is something that he is still coming to terms with. What have been some of the challenges that you've had over the last couple years? Just running a business, mostly. Running a business on my own is super hard, especially, you know, like a lazy creative stoner type. (laughs) There's so many things that are just so hard to stay on top of. That's been the biggest challenge is just all the business side of things. Mm-hmm. What specifically? Just give me the- like bookkeeping, paying your taxes, like staying on top of all those little things that make it hard to run a business. Do you find it hard to stay or maintain creativity amidst maintaining that? Absolutely. It really bogs me down. I mean, it's so overwhelming to do that kind of work that 
I end up spending all week doing business work and really like only get to focus on creative work like a couple times a month. How do you mitigate that though? I don't know if I'm mitigating it right now. <laughs> it's just kind of a, it's a balancing act. It's kind of knowing when you have to focus on what certain thing. Yeah, like when we started making, initially there was this idea of like, kind of same as you, it was like, okay, I'm leaving like this one thing because it's all, it sucks and it's all convoluted and it's, there's all this nonsense. As soon as I start my own, it's just going to be like, oh, right. it's roses, you know yeah, what I mean? Nah. And then, I, you know, you kind of quickly learn like there's all this other shit that even though you know that it's important, you go through, you know, a 40 hour work week and you're like, I actually didn't create. one thing you know like I'm a photographer I'm like when was the last time I picked up a camera you know it's challenging I think sometimes yeah I mean I'm the same I'm a photographer I haven't shot a photo outside of Summerland in two years yeah you know it's I really miss that experience of just going out and shooting but yeah just haven't had the creative energy to focus on that direction you must kind of realize or I guess see the potential like business upside of what you're doing as well right and is that an ambition of yours to see this thing yeah It is. Definitely would love to see it grow. I'd love to be kind of across the country in stores Mm -hmm. worldwide even. It's the perfect time to be doing something like this. Mm -hmm. Marijuana is just getting accepted more and more every day. It just makes sense that I'll grow with marijuana use. What do you see your personal role being as the business grows? Yeah, I see my personal role as being a creative director, ultimately, Mm -hmm. more than anything else. That's kind of pretty much what I've been doing with yeah. this brand, overseeing all creative. Yeah. What's the design cycle like? I mean, are you constantly trying to like iterate on new, you know, shapes and things like that? Or not really. I actually have kept it really, really slow intentionally because out the gate we started with five products, mm-hmm. which is kind of rare for a small design brand. Usually people start with one product and lead with that one product for a while. And w- which five was that? It was the three bongs, the Pleasure Point, the Chongo, and the Land Yacht Bong, and the two pipes, the um, Crystal Voyager and the Fruit Fantasy. And really from that point, we've only released one new product, which is the Sum Hitter. But we went for a good two years with just the whites, just the all-white products. And then just this fall, we released the stone-colored products. So it's been intentionally very slow. I have, you know, my mind is really built up with all these things that I want to do, but I know that each thing has its perfect time and place to really play out. Even the brand Summerland as a whole, you know, I had it ready in my head in a sense in 2011, but never really pulled the trigger till 2015. I really like to just ruminate on ideas, even outside of ceramics and design. I have a lot of ideas just in the back of my head on the back burner all the time, but they might be there for three or four years before I really bring them to fruition. So as far as next products, we do have stuff coming out. I don't know how long that will be before it comes out, but definitely plan on growing the line sooner than later. This is more of like a personal curiosity of mine. Like, do you personally feel like Summerland fulfills all of your creative ambitions or do you also want to do other things outside of the brand? I want to do other things. At this point, it's starting to become a job more than a creative outlet. Why is that? It's just repetition. You know, you do the same thing enough, you don't want to do it anymore. It's not like I don't want to do Summerland anymore. It's like I want to chill out for a whole week and just 
paint, but I can't do that because I'm running a business. Yeah, I feel like there, it's kind of inevitable yeah. in, in some ways. Like when you do the same thing, no matter how good it is, yeah. as a creative person, you need that you spark again. The cannabis industry has grown exponentially since legislation at the beginning of the year. This benefits businesses like Summerland immensely, but isn't without issues. The new space in which Liam functions has been carved out by generations of people who suffered to reach this point. So the new generation of business owners in the cannabis world is often seen as undeserving to old timers. As well as the stigma attached to new cannabis businesses, the popularization of marijuana poses problems for Liam from a societal point of view. There will have to be an education process on behalf of American citizens learning how to interact responsibly with marijuana. This said, the changing attitudes towards cannabis signal a new era for America. If respected, marijuana could significantly alter recreational habits of the average citizen for the better. Think yoga, healthier food, and a better understanding of oneself. I had this thought in my head of like a future, you know, whatever point in time where marijuana is totally normalized, it's, it's very mainstream, and there's a world where people like a target are carrying these fusion objects that feel like a method or feel like, you know, on their shelves. What, what are your thoughts on that? I mean, I don't see why not. They carry fancy wine glasses. It's like, you know, hopefully, I hope that in the future that acceptance is on that level mm -hmm. and that people are smoking more than they're drinking. Yeah. I hope there's that level of acceptance. What are your thoughts on like, because I, I talk to some people in the in the weed space and they're like vehemently opposed to the rec legal space and they feel like it's ruining the small businesses. I mean, where, where are you at mentally with that stuff? I think, you know, it's going to be great for my brand. I do worry about it from a society standpoint, like myself and my weed experience. I've gone really deep into smoking and I'm on the other side of that now and kind of having that perspective of like when you like rip a three foot bong every day like what that does to your motivation yeah so that's so valid though yeah exactly and that no one's talking about that yeah. no one's talking about what happens when like everyone is just burnt out mm -hmm. and also I don't you know the accessibility for kids like Kids yeah. are going to get weed so easy now. It sucks, but at the same time, it's stupid that it's been illegal. Yeah, there's like the line between it being criminalized yeah. versus it just being, I guess, totally hoard out, you know, and like knowing what the responsible, I guess, interaction with it is. I mean, I think that a lot because like I said, I was very straight edge growing up and then I smoke a lot of weed now because a lot of time, like with work and everything, like you just want to, smoke at night and go to sleep yeah, you just and all, you know chill, what I mean and chill out. Sure. But I definitely feel the effects of like being just absent minded sometimes right. and just completely forgetting things or right. being totally lethargic. And so I'm kinda of, there's there's all these positive benefits of weed to my yeah. life creatively to just work life balance. But then I also sometimes I'm like, how did I forget that? <laughs> you know? But is it the weed or is it just is it just us? Yeah. That's <laughs> <laughs> I you know, even when I was like in seventh grade, like Everyone thought I was a total stoner. Yeah. Just because that's just how I was. I was just like, what? There is a lot of opposition from the people who have been growing and selling weed for years and years mm -hmm. and years. And now all these newbies are moving into the space. All this venture capital that I was talking about was moving into the space. There's definitely a bunch of weird political stuff happening with it. Some people are getting the short end of that stick for sure when 
they've been working hard for years and years and years. And yeah, absolutely. Now we're just getting left in the dust because these fancy bond brands are coming out and <laughs> everyone buys that instead of the blower that's been doing it for 30 years in his basement. Like right. that sucks. But also from a accessibility standpoint, I don't think it's a bad thing that like everyday America is getting high. I think that's going to help everyday America in a huge sense. Like marijuana is a gateway drug, but it's a gateway to like your subconscious. It's going to help so many people just realize their true selves. That's awesome. Ultimately, if people are putting down like a whiskey glass and picking up a joint and like starting to do yoga and meditate instead of like eating shitty food the next day, like that's so great that society is kind of going into that totally level. I'm really interested in just the whole space and I think it's changing so fast. It's changing so fast. Literally, it seems like every week there's like something different that's going on. And there is the realities of like these people who have been in the game for a long time getting phased out but it's even coming down to a racial thing yeah it's like all these white people are moving in and selling weed when like all the minorities have been selling weed and getting sent to prison for years and years and years and now like techie white boys are like (laughs) doing this shit and like totally thriving yeah that's so true It, it sucks it's it's super unfair I, I 100% agree, but isn't that kind of just unavoidable because it's a part of just the fabric of really the, the country and how the business works, right? I mean, it's very unfortunate, but how, how would you even, how would you prevent it? I don't know. There is a lot of programs kind of starting in Oakland. I, I This is going to be so wrong, like so off, but Oakland is doing some kind of thing where people who have been maybe selling weed for a long time and they want to start a legit marijuana business can kind of prove that and get the licenses easier because they're kind of have this existing experience, existing history. I don't exactly know what they're doing, but... I mean, it makes sense. They have the experience. They have the expertise. They've got the... They've sort of earned their stripes, paid their dues. Yeah. Been treated very unfairly for years for selling a plant. Do you, do you ever want to get into like the actual growing or manufacturing side of the, this industry? No, I don't think so. I grow weed at home and yeah. that's fine. <laughs> yeah. I don't really want to ever get into actual weed production. I'm down to like collaborate with a few uh, growers. That'd be really cool. I would love to do like a Summerland strain. Um, but no, I don't think I'd ever want to get into that space. In my mind, Summerland is starting with weed and branching out from there and not always honing in on weed. It's obvious that Summerland represents more than just a business for Liam. From the concept of the name to his reluctance to accept investment, Summerland truly is a haven for Liam, a location that he has built for himself to escape societal norms and find his own way. Allowing somebody else access seems necessary, but difficult for Liam. With more hands on deck though, Summerland will be able to expand its horizons while maintaining an authenticity to Liam's passions. You can't help but get the feeling that Liam sees an exciting time ahead. A time of education, development, growth, oh, and lots more surfing. I think if I wasn't running this brand on my own by myself, having my hands in a million pockets at once, I think I would be a lot more fulfilled with the brand creatively. But because I'm doing all of this business kind of stuff that the whole thing starts to kind of become a little annoying to me. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so that's a reason to grow and bring on staff. Yeah. So that yeah. I can just focus on creative and kind of get excited on everything again. Do you think that that will be an easy like step for you personally, like bringing someone on board and trusting them and all that other now, stuff? Yeah, that's the thing is the, the trust is really hard to do to just let go and trust someone with kind of your baby in a sense. Yeah. It's going to be a learning uh, experience. Well, how would you grow the team? Like what would be the priorities first? Would it be creative team or? I think just bring on ideally the first couple of hires are just administrative customer service, someone to do inventory. Like hands, extra hands. Just hands. Yeah. I really just want to hire my friends though. Yeah, totally. I think I'm a strong believer of like you hire people, not like roles necessarily, you know? And then you're hanging out with your friends all day. And you're hanging out with your friends all day. <laughs> you actually look forward to going yeah, into work. Yeah, you get work, to go you know? surfing and then go to work. Totally, like, totally. Hey, don't come in at eight tomorrow. <laughs> Let's meet at the beach at eight tomorrow. I'm kind of curious just about like your day to day. Like what does your day to day look like right now? I mean, this isn't good to say, but avoiding work. I, I surf a lot. My day to day is a lot of just like waking up. Oh, what's the surf like today? <laughs> yeah. Oh, the surf's not good. All right, I guess I'll write these emails. 